Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Of the year. That's all I got. I, I don't know any. Okay. I don't know the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We probably would have to pay royalties on it anyway, so we probably need to stop right there. Yeah. I am Ryan Patrick alongside my friend, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ryan Pat. You're still Ryan Patrick. You've been Ryan Patrick for a long time now. Well, until the bill collectors catch up with me, that's what I'm going to stick with. Yeah, why not? It's a good moniker. It's a good name, Ryan Patrick. You could have been like a quarterback or a football team or something something. Yeah, like a Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. Jeff, this is a big episode for a few reasons. One, we have a major announcement. And when I say major, I mean it is a major announcement coming at the end of the episode. Also, we have a big story to share in this episode. It's a story that we have been talking about for a long time because this is the infamous episode 28 that a lot of people have been waiting for, Jeff. Is it really? This is episode 28? Are you sure? It may be 27? We did 26 and a half. We did 27 and three quarters. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're finally here okay. at episode 28. So uh, 28. that's going to be coming up here in, in just a little bit. But uh, first, you know, mm -hmm. we talked about uh, an episode or two ago, we were talking about people meeting members of the MASH cast. And I shared some of my stories about getting to meet uh, Mike Farrell and Loretta Swit and Jamie Farr and standing backstage with Bill Christopher while he was wearing his priest outfit. And then we put the call out there. If anybody else has had any other encounters with members of the MASH cast, we'd love to hear about it. And we got a few in. So I thought we would uh, kick off episode 28 by just going through a couple of these stories, like the one from Charlene Christian. Uh, she said, uh, you asked if anyone's ever met any of the cast. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, Alan Alda was passing through my hometown on the way to take his daughter to the University of Connecticut. They stopped at a small diner called Herb's. Of course, I had no idea Alan Alda was there when I walked in. As soon as I realized that the man was sitting there, I had to turn around and leave. I was so starstruck. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> Fast forward to last year, Alan Alda was doing his one-man show. I went and bought his book and had him sign it. It took me until the age of 52 to finally get the courage to at least speak to the man. <laughs> I, I imagine it was a long time before Herb invited Alan back to his diner because people run out the door when they see him. I know, right? It was bad for business. <laughs> yeah, bad for <laughs> All this bad for business. Don't let them come in your restaurant. I mean, how surreal would that be? You know, you, you walk into your hometown diner and there's Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah. That would be a little startling. A little startling, yeah. But I don't know, kind of to run out. Well, I'm not going to dump on you, Charlene, but to run out of the room, for God's sakes. Come on. <laughs> and Mark Posey, our friend Mark Posey says, hey, Ryan and Jeff. Loving the podcast. Well, that's great. Mark, say that's you could say that anytime you write it. That's right. Uh, you asked for listeners to post stories of meeting members of the cast. I have two, actually. I don't know if Jeff remembers it, but back around the time Secrets of the Mash Mess, The Lost Recipes of Private Ego, or that book I wrote, came out, I was running a book promotion and writing a website, and Jeff and I did a telephone interview that was posted on the site. Cool. I don't remember that, but I'm sure we had a good time. Jeff was also nice enough to sign the copy of the book I bought before it was sent to me, and it has been well used. Well, thank you, Mark. 
Also, back in the early 90s, Loretta Swit and I exchanged letters and phone calls for a while when she was in town for a three-month run as Shirley Valentine. Spectacular play, Super Lady, and that is the truth. Cool, Mark. Thank you. That's that's kind of fun. And it's so interesting because, Mark, you and I have similar experiences. Uh, as I've mentioned on here before, how Jeff and I first connected, I was working in radio and working on a morning show, and Jeff had written his cookbook. And so uh, he came on our morning show as a guest to talk about the cookbook. And that was the first time that you and I ever talked. That's true. Back in uh, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> 20 so years ago? I was 11. I was 11 years old. I was an old 11, but I was 11 when we did that. So, you know, we met that way. And then Loretta Swit actually came to our town back about that time as well with her show, Shirley Valentine. The problem was I was doing another show at the time. I like to act. So I was in a show at another uh, college across town. And so I did not get to see her show. However, I knew the folks at the theater over where she was performing. And so what happened was I, I was doing my show and I did the curtain call. I took my bow. I walked off stage, walked out of the theater, got in my car and drove over to her show, snuck in and watched the last 15 minutes of Loretta performing Shirley Valentine. And then uh, my friends ushered me backstage where I got to shake her hand and have her uh, sign a program for me. So that, it's so interesting that those are the two connections that he had and they're so similar yeah. to connections I had. Wow. Yeah. How about that. Are you Mark Posey or are you Brian <laughs> Pat? I don't know which. Maybe you're Mark uh, Posey. Like I said, until the bill collectors catch up with me, I'm whatever name you want to say. So uh, we have another one here uh, that says, you asked about fans meeting members of the cast. Uh, unfortunately, I've had to do this vicariously so far. I have not met any of the MASH cast. However, both my mom and my daughter have met Loretta Swit. My mother's story is by far the funniest. My mom was eating at a local restaurant in Sarasota, Florida, I believe, and Loretta Swit was sitting at a table across from her. My mother walked up to Loretta and said, hot lips! <laughs> to, to, to which both she and Loretta shared a laugh. My daughter met Loretta last year, and uh, she was again in Sarasota, Florida. She was appearing at a local restaurant to sign autographs and support for a, a local animal rescue. My daughter did buy Loretta's book of watercolors and have it autographed, as well as getting a photo of Loretta autographed for me. She also got a picture of Loretta, lucky girl. Oh. And uh, thank you for uh, for sending that. And that is from... Uh, Amy Maza. Amy, thank you so much for, for sending that. You know, we hear we hear a lot of stories about Loretta Swit. She is out and about a lot at a lot of shows with her uh, big book of watercolors and meeting fans. So uh, it's it's nice that uh, a lot of people are getting to uh, meet Loretta Swit. And, and, and totally unrelated, but did I mention that we have a, a major announcement at the end of this podcast? Did I mention that? You mean uh, we have a major announcement? MASH Matters has a major announcement? Yes. Go ahead and mention it. Well, we do. We have a major announcement major. coming at the end of this episode. So stick around. This is very... I'm going to stick around. <laughs> and our friend James... I mean, Aragon says, I have had the honor of meeting four cast members. Alan Alda, when he was doing a talk presentation about one of his books. Gary Berghoff, when he was presenting some of his paintings in a local gallery. And William Christopher and Jamie Farr, when they were doing the Odd Couple show you discussed. We got a backstage pass, so I got to go backstage and hang out with them a little after the show. Meeting Jamie, whom I'm named after, in Toledo just months after my family relocated here from Edwardsville, Illinois, was a very special moment, and he signed my autograph 
to my namesake. How cool to be named after a MASH star, a MASH act. I wonder how many people in the world uh, have been named after MASH characters or stars. I mean, you have a dog named uh, Walter. I do. And my dog before uh, Walter was named Sophie. I, I don't know of anybody personally, but aside from Jamie here, who has been named after a star on the show or one of the characters on the show. But if you've been named after a character or an actor on the show, we'd love to hear from you. And you can always get in touch with us at mashmatterspodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And like Jeff says, you can always just stop by the house. Do I say that? Well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can keep your story under three minutes, you can tell it to us when you leave a voicemail at 513-436-4077. All right, Jeff. So, well, that's the uh, episode. Thanks very much. Great working with you, Ryan. I, I'm going to redo my sock drawer and I got to get there right now because those socks are so confused. Jeff, here is the deal. It is time to share this story. Now, what I want to do first, though, is I want to take you back. I believe this is to episode five of MASH Matters. We're going to go way back in the Wayback Machine and we're going to mm. hear the original question that was posed by two different listeners to MASH Matters. So, uh, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. Our next question comes from Grace Ann McLeod. And actually, this question was, was also asked by another uh, person. Uh, John Hunt also asked this question. But in the season six opener, Fade Out, Fade In, you have a scene with David Ogden Stiers, but Johnny Hamer is dubbing your voice. Every time I see the episode, I wonder why that is. Did you have laryngitis? Thank you, Grace Ann, for uh, contacting us. And also, thanks to John Hunt for uh, sending in that same question. So that was the original question. And at the time, I said, Jeff, do you have an answer to this question? You said, well, I do, but I, I don't want to answer it just yet. And then over the course of the next few episodes, you pulled a magic number out of the air and said, you know what? I'm going to answer that question in episode 28. And uh, see, now what you should have done is you should have said, I will answer that question in episode 528. Well, we could do that. Okay, that's all right. There you go. I like that. <laughs> let's redo this. I'm sorry. I misspoke, Your Honor. It, we're going to do it on episode 528. Will that work? I've never known of a coup of podcast listeners, but uh, you might see one if we if we try to get out of uh, telling this story today. So yeah, thanks a lot, Grace and John, for asking that question. <laughs> I, I went back and I watched the episode in question. Now, the, this is uh, season six, episode one, fade out, fade in. Now, are you going to play that? We talked about this. You're going to play that? I have the audio from that scene. Okay. This is the episode where we are first introduced to Major Charles. Emerson Winchester III, and uh, later in the episode, now in syndication, this episode is split into two parts, but I I'm, I'm believe that it was originally aired as an hour-long episode, uh, but in syndication, it's a part one, part two. This scene in question comes in part two. In terms of playing this episode, I just want to make clear, I have not ever heard it. I didn't watch the show. I didn't hear it when it was originally aired. I didn't see it in syndication. I haven't seen it in any of the reruns. I have never, ever, ever heard the exchange between myself and uh, David Ogden Stiers uh, in the Officers Club. So when you do this, this will be the first time in history. I mean, I guess I said words when I did the scene originally, which I do not remember. <laughs> and uh, this will be the first time I have ever heard the scene in question. 
or the voice that you will hear speaking the words. So there you go. Before I play the audio, to set this up, there is a scene later in the second part of the episode where Charles is in the officer's club. He's having a drink before he thinks he's about to leave the 4077. And this is right before Colonel Potter comes in to tell him that he is now there permanently. Now, if there's any good news, Jeff, I believe that in the syndicated version, your exchange with Winchester is cut out. However, the DVDs and the streaming episodes on Hulu do feature this scene between you and Charles. So I'm going to play this audio now. When you hear the voice that is not Charles, it's obviously not Jeff's voice, but it is Jeff delivering these lines. These lines have been overdubbed. Whether it's Johnny Hamer or not, I'm not entirely sure. You be the judge. But here is the audio from this scene. Where is that last cheap? best you've got i got some private stock but it'll cost you a nickel more oh let's pledge wow we don't get too many guys like you in here as i'm painfully aware of that make it two one for me one for yourself what i wouldn't drink that i have a stomach and a family to think of Wow. What a memorable scene that was. And they cut that out in syndication? What crazy people they are. Oh, my goodness. Jeff, I, along with everybody, have been waiting to hear the story behind this scene. And so I'm now just going to turn it over to you and let you tell it however you want to tell it. (sighs) He sighed. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, Lovely uh, to uh, have you tell me all these interesting things. And it's lovely that you played that. Uh, Again, as I said, I have never heard that Hmm. at all. I've never heard it in any uh, shape or form. So hearing that actually gives more surprise to me that what happened happened. Hmm. Uh, Because if obviously you played that and it wasn't terribly significant, there wasn't a huge reveal about anything that anybody would have really cared about in that little exchange. Mm -hmm. Why that was even in there, I'm not even sure. But No, if anything, it stood out to MASH fans because it's obviously not you. Yeah. If it had been you, it just would have been a nice, pleasant scene between Igor and Charles. Mm -hmm. But because it's obviously not Igor's voice, it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. (laughs) And so... People have taken notice of that. And obviously, you know, we had Grace Ann and and John both uh, email us. And I think some other people have also sent us messages with the same question in the last year or so. Mm -hmm. I understand why lines sometimes are overdubbed because there are audio issues and they have to get the actor to come back in and redo the line to match up with the lips. But in this case, it's obviously not your voice. And so that's why it stands out in such a big way for fans. Well, this is actually not my voice either right now. So it oh. really doesn't matter who's. Yeah, it's I I, <laughs> I go with the wind. It doesn't matter. Uh, no. Well, you know, uh, that show was significant. It was a significant show, certainly because they had a, a, a new major character come in, a major character re- replaced. Major Frank Burns. Right. I know that there were also issues about uh, Margaret's concerns about her uh, husband and what he was doing. And that kind of foreshadowed that they may eventually split up. So there were things going on in that episode. That's kind of what uh, was significant. It was also significant. The reason it was significant to me was I was fired. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't uh, officially fired. 
but in actor terms, uh, I was not asked back. And I didn't know that. Uh, well, I'll explain how this happened. We were on the set. We were in that uh, in the officers' club, and uh, it's small when you see it in real life. Maybe it looks small on, on television too, but it was it's pretty small. Everybody's pretty close together, mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of space between the end of the set and where everybody stands, where the cameras are, and everything else. So once you look up, if you're looking out towards the camera, you can pretty much see everybody that's there in the room. So we were there, and I remember being there. <laughs> That's the good news. I do remember something. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember, I guess we rehearsed it. I don't, I kind of don't remember doing that. You, rarely were they rehearsals because sometimes you read it before you did that. So, and a small scene like that, there wasn't probably a big rehearsal needed. So I don't remember whether we did it or not. But I remember saying, okay, well, we're ready to shoot it. And I looked up at the camera and Almost every writer that was ever connected with MASH or every significant executive that had anything to do with MASH was standing there. Hmm. And so I said, wow, <laughs> what are those guys doing here? <laughs> and it was kind of a shock because normally you didn't see all the writers. The writers are up, you know, writing. You don't see all those guys, producers, everybody. And there were actually executives from Fox and various people were standing there that would never really have been there. Well, in my young actor head, <laughs> what would you expect? I thought, whoa, they're all standing here waiting to see me. <laughs> Why would I think that? Well, there was only two people in the room and I didn't know the other guy. <laughs> what did I care about him? <laughs> and so I figured, hey, they're all here to see what I'm going to do. Okay, this is pretty cool. And I will admit now to the world, it rattled me. A bit. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the part that I don't have any, uh, it's like a blackout. Not that I would know what a blackout would. Most people, you know, drink a lot and have blackouts. Not that I would have ever done that or know what that feels like. But if I was to imagine it, I had a blackout from that point on. Hmm. I don't remember doing the scene. I don't remember what happened after the scene. I don't remember going home. <laughs> I remember it was early in the day, though. So past that, I don't remember anything else after that. The next day, I was at the studio. Obviously, we did the scene and I went home. I do remember that it was directed by uh, High Averback, who was a really cool guy who I loved dearly. And we were, we were buddies and he thought you know, highly of me. We were, we're good. Mm -hmm. We were good friends. Mm -hmm. So the next day, I was at the studio and I wasn't doing anything. I was actually having lunch with somebody. And I came back. I was walking out of the commissary kind of walking toward the front of the studio and then to get in my car and go home. And uh, one person who will remain nameless, but they had a lot of control <laughs> and executive control over the show, walked up to me and I said, oh, hi. And he said, Jeff, you know, you don't get a lot of times up to bat in this business. And I'm looking at him going, yeah, well, you blew yours. And he turned around and he walked away. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now you can imagine, okay, you're a young actor guy trying to do what you're doing or any business, whatever you do. If your quote boss walks up to you and goes, boy, did, did you stink? Wow. Was that awful? Hmm. You'd feel bad. Yeah. Well, boy, did I feel bad. I, I felt like I had just been kicked in the stomach by six or 700 yaks. 
I stood there for a minute because he just walked away. I was so devastated and so shocked that I didn't have the you know the mental uh, maturity or capacity at that point to kind of run after him and say, "Hey, wait a minute, what are you talking about? What what, what are you talking about?" So I just kind of left and went home, and uh, you know I think I crawled into bed and started shaking. <laughs> hmm. I did not know what happened. I still don't know to this day exactly what happened. But the reason that I say I got fired was, and it wasn't, there wasn't an official firing, gee, Jeff, you're fired, you know, don't ever set foot on the studio again. Right. But I wasn't asked back. And then there was a, a, a subsequent script that had Igor in it that was then played by Peter Riegert. But the script itself said Igor. Mm. And another actor played <laughs> the role of Igor. Yes. I think he just did it once. That was, I believe, in the same season, the sixth mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. So that was the message that, oh gosh, there was something serious that had just happened. Now, I do know that the process of uh, dailies, and that's what happens, and I think I misspoke on another podcast, you don't see the dailies in the same day you're shooting, you see in the next day. So they shoot a scene, and the next day everybody goes to dailies, and they watch what, uh, you know, shooting the previous day. And everybody kind of evaluates it or said, gee, I like that, or that's funny, or we need a better joke or something. They all kind of make judgments about it. So apparently, when they saw the scene between myself and David in that particular moment, somebody didn't like what I did. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't like it enough to motivate that particular executive to say something quite as mean-spirited as what he said to me. <laughs> so that's what is, is really memorable to me as a person that you know was trying very, very hard. I loved what I did. I loved being there. I loved everybody there. I loved my job voraciously. And I did it with a great deal of sincerity. I, I wasn't there to be a jerk off or a crazy person. I was there to do the job as well as I possibly could. So for uh, a person of that kind of uh, executive capacity to come up and say, boy, did you blow your moment? That was very, very hurtful to me. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's it's been such a significant moment for me, and why when people ask me, "Gee, why, uh, you know, why was your voice dubbed?" You know, I start to <laughs> I start to shake and get real dizzy and <laughs> nauseous, and you know, it it was a painful, painful moment. One of the most painful things that ever happened to me. There were a lot of other painful things, not necessarily with mesh, but we all have pain in our lives. Sure. But that one. For a young guy trying to make his way through uh, a very complex business uh, filled with very, very complex uh, people, uh, that was a tough pill to swallow. So therefore, somebody made the decision, hey, we didn't like what he did. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, dub his voice or have somebody, some other actor come in and deliver this. Now, two things I think that were particularly cruel. <laughs> One of them was, that I knew High Averback pretty well. And I'm very, very, very surprised that he didn't, you know, if I was doing something stupid or I didn't sound very well, all he had to do is come over to me and say, hey, Jeff, you know, when you're doing this, a little more energy or a little faster or a little quieter or be funnier or something. That's what directors are there to do. Yeah. <laughs> say something to actors. And I've been directed by a million different people. And you say, oh, yeah, better idea. I like that. Thank you. That's all he had to do. 
And he could have done that easily. As you heard, the dialogue wasn't particularly, you know, <laughs> essential <laughs> yeah. to any real thing. It wasn't scintillating, no. <laughs> it wasn't Shakespeare I was <laughs> delivering there. So all he had to do was, like, look, Jeff, talk faster, you know, or something. Right. And you get the idea. Right. And, and I could have made whatever adjustment he felt was necessary. He didn't do that. I think he didn't do that because there was a certain degree of tension. Everybody was watching David Ogden Stiers. I mean, even David Ogden Stiers was watching David Ogden Stiers. They were concerned about him. This was the new guy. They wanted to see what his rhythms were. They wanted to see who he was. They wanted to see the character, how he, what he was doing in any given moment, because everybody wanted to be able to you know, adjust for it, write for it, understand it, hear his voice. So that was, and I, I certainly don't disagree with that. I understand that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Because of that, I think there was so much concern that if anybody kind of walked over and started directing me, there may have been concern, well, wait a minute, why is he directing this goofball? I'm the important guy here. Gee. There are, you know, moments that go on a, on a set like that. So I think that's what he didn't want to do to take time to direct Igor when he had this very important new cast member that he had to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, and I think he didn't want to do that in front of <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> right, who right. were standing there who were terribly frightening <laughs> either. So I think wow. they would have gone, hi, what are you talking to Igor for? What about him? Gosh, <laughs> get over there and talk to David for crying out loud. <laughs> and the other significantly painful thing that I thought was out of line was what that uh, executive said to me. Yeah. I felt it was mean-spirited. He didn't have to do that. He'd known me for a long, long time. He knew that I was a very sincere guy. It, it's impossible that he would not have known on some level that saying what he did to me would have devastated me at that moment. So he could have said, you know, Jeff, boy, you know, I got to tell you, why don't you come in? We'll, we'll redub you or something. He could have done it in 63 different ways. Yeah. But he chose to do it that way. And it's something I never forgave him for, although I'm working on it. And I thought it was particularly uh, cruel. Um, so that's the story, ladies and gentlemen. That's wow. what happened. Wow, that's wow, why wow. my voice was overdone. Now, the good news. Shall I go on with the good news or yeah. should we chat about something else? Well, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering, is the good news how you got back onto the show? Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously you, you, you came back for many, many more episodes. So how did you end up back on the show? Well, I have a lot of really good mafia friends. <laughs> and I just called a couple. They called a couple of guys. You know, one thing leads to the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, I'm just kidding, mafia. I don't know anybody. I don't. I'm kidding, mafia guys. I'm kidding. I mean, I wouldn't have minded, it, but I, I don't. So, Well, it's a really good question about how I got back on the show. I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. I have a theory, and I, I spoke with somebody who I thought would know the answer to it yesterday, uh, who was a, a significant part of the behind the scenes uh, of the goings-on of MASH, mm -hmm. but she was unable to tell me as well. The story that I just related was a shock to her. She had never heard it. She didn't know it existed. Hmm. And uh, she was stunned when I told her, um, not only of the story, but she was also stunned by the behavior of the, the gentleman who said what he said to me. So I said, well, you got to know, how, how did I show up again? And actually, 
I got a call. I didn't know this was going to happen. I thought, you know, I was thinking of trying to, you know, look for really good ropes to hang myself with or, you know, good bullets, whatever, you know, looking around for something good. And my agent called and said, hi, Jeff, uh, by the way, you know, uh, they, they want you back. They got a new uh, episode for you. Who wants me back? Who? Anybody? I don't care. <laughs> and he said, no, Mesh wants you back. They got uh, Igor's back in the thing and they want you in. So, and I made a good deal for you. Huh. You did? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were they paying you a little more money. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so suddenly I was back. Hmm. Now, why that happened? I have a theory. She couldn't tell me. And she actually said that she was going to try and find out a little bit more information and sort of see if I could, you know, fill in the blanks because they are kind of blank to me. There was, I do know that I believe Fox wanted an extra show or something. They had to come up with a, an extra show. And it was a show that they, they hired a, a outside producer to come in and put together a conglomeration of episodes for that extra show. So it wasn't a new one that the writers write. It was a conglomeration of episodes. And I saw it. And in that show, I was featured a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I even forgot some of the scenes that, that I was in, but they were significant, numerous, uh, and pretty funny. Yes. So I think on some level, somebody saw that and went, wait a minute, what are we doing? This guy's works. He fits with the camp. He's a good character. We can use him for a lot of different things. And he's a nice guy. What are we doing here? And I think that's what happened. I think, you know, saner uh, minds prevailed and that's what went on. And I also think, I think one of the motivations for the gentleman who was kind of mean-spirited and being mean-spirited is, is I think that for whatever reason, and this is, again, just a guess, it's possible that David Ogden Stiers didn't like my performance. Maybe he didn't like my timing or the rhythm or something. And he may have said during the dailies, you know, I don't like that. I, I, I didn't like him when he did that. I don't like, who is it? I don't like that. Hmm. And that may have embarrassed this particular gentleman because David was the new guy. And I think he was sort of embarrassed about it, perhaps, I'm guessing. And that's what maybe motivated him to be quite, you know, so nasty because he wasn't normally a nasty guy. So that may be it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> well, I, again, I've said it before. I did not know the story coming into today. I, I had no idea what the story was. I just knew that it was a significant part of your life and your career. But I, I had no idea. I absolutely did not know. Now, I knew that you were not on all of the seasons of the show. There was a, a break in there. Now I know why. And uh, I think your theory may be correct about the clip show. Yeah, maybe somebody uh, high up watched it and goes, well, why is he not on the show anymore? He's funny. Yeah. You were obviously a, a contributor to the humor on that show. And uh, I can't imagine that we would have missed out on so many other great things like you creaming uh, – weenies and creaming the corn and creaming everything else in camp, you know, and uh, finding out that you're going to go back home and be a pig farmer and everything. Well, we would have, we would have missed all of that. All of that. Lives would have been totally changed. Yeah. <laughs> I've not been proud of that. Well, I, you know, I, not to pat myself on the back, but I did show up on the show and I, I think, you know, my head was always about comedy and I had come from performing as a, you know, in a comedy team and 
for years. So my head was in that frame and I coming into a show which was a totally different environment for me instead of nightclubs, I had to learn and I had to grow and I had to, you know, adapt, which I think I did. And I kind of went after trying to, you know, find a niche for me because there were a lot of characters in that show. So it wasn't like you just suddenly they were going to give me, you know, 10 minutes of screen time. That wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I tried very, very hard to find ways to just create a, a, a character of some kind that would have an attitude and would have something, some sort of attitude that would kind of fit with the set, uh, fit with the, with the environment and fit with the uh, the structure of the show and maybe have a future of some kind and could relate to characters in a funny way. Yeah. I, I kind of gave myself a character that I felt I could relate to characters within a, you know, and, and have fun with it and hopefully, you know, make people laugh. So that's what I was doing and that's what I did. And so when this happened, it was, it was pretty awful. Yeah. It was a really bad day at <laughs> 20th Century Fox. <laughs> Uh, so I hope that wasn't anticlimactic, and I hope that people didn't say, you're not going to walk away and go, is that it? Oh, my gosh. I tuned into 28 of these things for that? <laughs> well, we'll just see how many people show up for 29. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my only question to wrap up this conversation, and we'll wrap up this and get to our, our big announcement. Going back, after you've had a, I mean, that is a, a shock to your system for that to happen. And then you spend some time away from the show. Coming back to the show, what was it like coming back? Uh, I was nervous. Uh, I was a little weirded out, but uh, the minute I got back onto stage nine, it had such a uh, uh, an ambiance to it. Um, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, there were you know, it smelled bad, and there were rats, and it was dark, and it was awful." To me, it was like oh, heaven. I loved it. I loved it. Smelled bad. I loved watching the rats run around. <laughs> I, I I just adored it. I I thought so much of it, and I I was so impressed with the way the set looked and how how the construction worked. I, I loved the whole uh, system of of movie making. After that, I mean, I got totally addicted by it. So I was very very impressed by everybody's skill to make this set look the way it did. And I loved being there, creaky old boards of the floor and everything. I just adored it. So once I got back there and I was there for about five or 10 minutes and I saw people that were very friendly to me, uh, I suddenly calmed down and it, it all kind of went away and we were back to normal. So wow. um, I was grateful for that. And I, you know, and the gentleman who said what he said to me, I saw him. We were friendly, uh, very cordial, polite. We didn't hug and kiss, but we were very friendly and nice to each other. And I did scenes that uh, he had things to do with, and everybody was happy. So nothing ever came up. Nobody said a word about it after that, and that was the end of the story. So wow. I don't know. Stuff happens in showbiz. We're it does, yeah. but it had a happy ending in the end. So It had a great happy ending, yes, which I'm grateful to everybody for. Yeah. And I'm grateful to everybody staying 28 episodes to listen to this <laughs> <laughs> explanation. <laughs> well, it's a heck of a story. So thank you for sharing that. And I will say that I have never, ever publicly said anything that happened between that, me and that gentleman to anybody. One person, Kelly Nakahara, knows the story, but she didn't hear about it until about a year ago. Hmm. So the only people that knew about it were myself. The gentleman had said what he said to me and Kelly, and that was it. So now the other four people who are listening know. 
We just doubled the amount of people who know. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Thank you very much for asking. And hopefully we don't ever have to talk about this again. <laughs> Speaking of happy endings, let's have a happy ending to this episode as well, because we have a major announcement. We have had the pleasure of talking to many people on this show associated with MASH, whether it's writers behind the scenes, you know, Dan Wilcox and John Rappaport and uh, Kelly, uh, one of the supporting players. Uh, we've even talked to BJ, Mike Farrell, but now we are going to be talking to somebody else here on the show. And this is a big one. I said it was a major announcement and it is a major because we're going to be talking to Major Margaret Houlihan. There you go. Loretta Swit will be here on MASH Matters. So the next episode, episode 29, will be part one of our talk with Loretta Swit. And uh, it's exciting. Now, uh, this is uh, really one of the worst kept secrets uh, among MASH fans because <laughs> a little while back, uh, Loretta actually tweeted, hey, we had such fun speaking with Ryan and Jeff this weekend for my episodes of MASH Matters. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, you know, the cat huh. was out of the bag a long time ago that she was going to be on the show, but it was just a matter of when. So to kick off the new year, to kick off 2020, we will be releasing the first of two episodes featuring our conversation with the lovely and talented Loretta Swit. Very excited to talk to her. It was so fun to talk with her and it was so fun for MASH Matters. You know, we've we've done this for uh, a little over a year. Uh, we, we love doing this. Mm -hmm. And so to have Loretta on here and, and speak with her after a little bit of time. It was a real thrill. We've had some wonderful people here on the show, and we've talked to some wonderful listeners and voicemails and emails and messages. Uh, we are just blown away, and we love hearing from everybody. Thank you so much. And we look forward to 2020 and and uh, not just talking to uh, Loretta, but uh, we also have some other folks we'll probably be talking to in the coming year as well. So we appreciate all of you coming along for the ride. Is that it? <laughs> Are we done? That's it. I was so I was listening, and then you stopped talking. It was like the Sopranos, you know, it just went to black. <laughs> yes, we're done. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Until next time. Okay, here's looking up your old address. 